Well, hey everyone, Jason here. Welcome to another episode of the Canadian Church Leaders Podcast. Today, we have Matt Menzel, the senior pastor of Westside Church, a church that sits right in the heart of downtown Vancouver. If you've ever visited Vancouver, you've probably walked by this beautiful building before and how they found themselves in there is an incredible miracle story that we tackle in this episode. And I just love any time I get to sit down with Matt. And this time was no exception. In this interview, we talked about friendship with Jesus, uh, how to lead well from that second chair in the organization, navigating church transition, and this idea that Matt shared of letting go and this principle of letting go in leadership. Before we jump into my conversation with Matt, I just wanted to say that if you haven't already listened to last week's episode with John Tyson from Church of the City, New York, I highly recommend it. John carries this like profound message and conviction around prayer that I think church leaders today, myself included, are just feeling this renewed call to prayer. And I think he's put language to it. And I want to let you know about a brand new book that just came out last week called Everyday Apologetics. I think eight Canadian authors contributed to this project, guys like Mark Clark, Andy Steiger, Chris Price, and many others. And it really seeks to answer tough questions about Christianity in a way that is accessible and easy to understand. I loved reading it. Tons of fresh arguments and thoughtful ideas and ways to answer the classic questions of like suffering, exclusivity, faith in science. And there's this really cool chapter on how to respond to today's like this new kind of skeptic. And you can find that book right now on Amazon. Hey, one final note before we jump into this episode. Matt and I recorded this together in what they call the dungeon of Westside Church, way underground in the heart of Vancouver. And this was actually the last interview that we did in person before further restrictions were put in place in light of COVID. So this was recorded right at the front end of the pandemic in Canada. And so with all that said, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Matt Menzel. Welcome to the Canadian Church Leaders Podcast. We want to serve church leaders and their teams by sharing honest and thoughtful conversations about pastoral leadership. In this podcast, we were exploring the question, what does it mean to lead people in the way of Jesus in the midst of today's world? Let's jump into today's conversation. Well, hey, friends, I'm in a very, very awesome room with my friend Matt Menzel. And uh, Matt, you're a pastor here at Westside Church and really grateful. I'd love for you to speak just as we start, just physically about where we are. Not this room covered in soundproofing, <laughs> but this building in the heart of Vancouver. Yeah, oh, I'd love to. First of all, it's good to be with you, man. You're one of my favorite people of all time. Oh, you're you really so are. Kind. No, no, you're one of those guys. You get together with Jason Ballard and it's just pure joy. Oh, you're so and kind, And I say man. that to everybody. <laughs> Every time I talk about Jason Ballard, it's just like, it's just, he's, a, he's just joy. <laughs> and I know that so many people feel that way about you. So thanks for having me. Um, yeah, where we are, uh, we're in Vancouver, uh, proper downtown core, basically right in the middle, across the street, uh, across the street from the library. And um, and uh, we're in this big theater. This was a theater built to, to house Chinese Broadway. Hmm. Originally, I think in 94 it was built or something like that. Uh, and uh, man, uh, seven years ago, Seven years ago, the Lord did a work. We were we were a church plant, and we were on Granville Island, um, just across the water here, and we were running out of space. and And uh, and uh, our senior pastor at the time, Norm Funk, he sent an email out, and and um, and the Lord opened a door here. Wow! And just put us in this building, and I mean, it's a it's a crazy building. It's like it's all glass and white marble, and you go in the auditorium, and there's like skyboxes, and you know, it's yeah. purple seating. Like th this is. We felt so uncomfortable here, I you bet. know, and, and but it's just beautiful. And, and you know, it's it, the, the great thing about this space. And right now we are, you know, we're two grades below ground in the dungeon, we call it. This is our staff level and it's like prison down here, but less windows than prison would have. And so it's it's a very depressing place for our staff to work, but we love it. And we, we've, we've made a lot of fun. But honestly, man, this spot is just it's such a gift. It, it's it's a it's it's a gift because we just believe it's strategically located by Jesus. You know, we've got Apple coming in next door, Amazon coming in next right. door. I sat at City Hall for a couple of days when we were first moving into this place and uh, and listen to people, you know, complain because they didn't want a church to take a theater. That was a big deal in the city. They right. didn't, you know, you didn't want the a church to come in, especially a conservative church and 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 undo what's happening in the arts community. So I sat there listening to people complain just in the back of the room hiding. And uh, I remember one of the city councilors saying, you know, this this theater is located in what will be the new heart of Vancouver. Wow. 
And so it just, you know, and, and, and this property has already gone up, I think about four times the, the value in the last like seven, like I was just talking to one of the guys who was part of the purchase of this place recently. And he said, you know, we couldn't have done that now. Like it just, there was a small window and it just opened and it was nobody's plan. And it just like, so the Lord just put us here. Yeah. So it's an exciting spot to be for those reasons, for sure. And I've been really grateful as uh, a member of the broader church in Lower Mainland. This has become a space that the church has gathered beyond just West Side. Yes. I just love your open-handed posture about yeah. it. And there's something that just gives me joy that there's this, and a physical space, it's just physical space. Mm-hmm. You know, we, I don't want to put too much stock in that, but there's something special about saying, oh man, God has put a space in the heart of the city of Vancouver, mm-hmm. an important city for the whole world. Uh, that worship's happening, that leader, yeah. leaders are being developed and mm-hmm. shaped and forged. What can you tell us about the city of Vancouver? Like my understanding, especially downtown, this is one of the most unchurched parts of all of Canada, all of North America, uh, specifically this downtown core of about 110,000. What can yeah. you tell us about doing church down in this space? Yeah, it, it you know, it, it, well, first of all, to the, to the piece on this being a, a you know, the, for the wider church, I just want to double down on that because that's what we want for this building, man. Like this, what, the, what the Lord's really been uh, showing me recently, uh, especially over the last couple of years that this is a, this is a big house for the wider family. Like this is like that big house where you can have family reunions and the whole family can come together. So this is a place we, we want the church to feel like whether you're, you know, from the valley or across the country or some of the other part of the world i i really want people to feel we want people to feel like you come in here this is home wow and we're just together like we're together this is not you know west side's home we gather here but this is this is your home you know this is this is your spot and and so if and so we do our best that if any if anybody in the church can use it we can make it available we want that because we think it's strategic not for one local church but actually for the church wow uh vancouver itself you know, in the downtown core, is such an interesting place. It's a sad place, man. Like it's so lonely. Mm-hmm. This is one of the most isolated and lonely spots, you know, in any urban center anywhere. And and um, you know, you look around at our, our our infrastructure here in the downtown core. You got a lot of high rises. My wife and I live in one, just you know, a two minute walk from here, two blocks away. And and it's like half the buildings are empty. Like half of them are empty. Half of them are, you know, investment properties. Right. And 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 there's no one renting them. They're just they're just empty. Like if if everybody lived in, in these buildings, I don't think the I don't think we'd have the infrastructure for it. Uh, it's just it's a it's so that you know, and people are already so isolated mm. as we all know, and so lonely as we all know. But but the you know, this is a place where people roll in, whether you're from the valley or, or wherever you're coming in from. You come in here to to party. You come in here to shop, to blow off steam, do whatever you're doing. But it's really, you know, the people who live here, like the people who live right here in our, in our home right here, it, they're, they're, they're lonely people, man. You've got a lot of, obviously a lot of immigrants, like any, any urban center, any downtown core. You've got a lot of, you know, people who are, you know, just really wealthy and, and, and at, the, at the prime of their careers. But you have a ton of people who this is just like, a, you know, they've got their weekend condo. Yeah. down the road and you know and and so you, it's really transient i was actually i don't know if you've read frank stirk's book streams in the negev have you read yeah that? yeah i have yeah so like he, the work he's done to explain um you know the history of this little peninsula this downtown core is yeah. crazy and 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 it's been there there's some strongholds spiritually on this mm. downtown core that that you know that we're still walking in today and, and trying to figure out but the only you know the only way this downtown core is going to be reached uh, it's not going to be a church. We've got great churches down here. There's Coastal down here, First Baptist down here, St. Pete's down here, Church Untitled. There's some great ministries going on down here. But but uh, the only way we reach this place is not going to be us figuring out, you know, better strategies. It's not going to be us, you know, getting smarter people or better pastors or anything like that or more money. It, it's going to be the Spirit of God moving. Mm. And it's going to be a church alive that does it. Like it's going to be a church that's come alive in the Spirit of God. And we're just here. Mm. And people's hearts are going to be laid bare when they encounter god's people spirit people and so that's what we want to do we just want to see this city set free we want to see we want to see that happen here yeah yeah and it feels like the kind of city that if lives are changed here it can affect the whole globe. oh i hope so you know just the way that business runs out of the city and uh, families coming from all over the world mm-hmm. even just to steady or to work for a short amount of time mm-hmm. i mean that's the dream yeah and i love that yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And it's, you know, it's young, lots of students. And so, and so for us as a ministry being here, you, 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 we're ascending church, even if we didn't want to be right. And we've always been ascending church. We've always been a church planting church and all of that. But, but, you know, being in, in the downtown core here in Vancouver, it's so expensive and it's so transient. And so like, and you have some people just rolling through town and that's always been the, the way of Vancouver, but 
but we're sending people out all of the time. And mm. so we feel like we have to embrace that as part of our, 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 our mission, vision, values as a church. Just the fact that, you know, we're, we're just trying to grab people for whatever moment we have them, you know, build them up in Jesus however we can and send them. Right. And so we're just trying to celebrate sending when people move away because, you know, they have kid number two finally came. So they're, so they're gone or whatever. Like we're just we're sending them. You're going as a missionary. You're going to go join that church. You're going to be a gift to them. We want we want to bless the church in, in the country, sending people away. And, and so it's you know, I, it's, it's just what we've been called to. You know, I, I think it's really important to pause and consider that to be a sending church is mm-hmm. a type of culture. Yeah, because there are environments, cultures, whether it's business or church, that it's like a, maybe has a hoarding mentality. Sure. Uh, which is like, oh man, we need more volunteers. And usually it comes out of a big vision yeah. and a big heart to reach a city yeah. or uh, build a mission. And so it's like, we need as many good people, yeah. but it's a very different cultural disposition. I think it's worth pausing there for a bit because mm-hmm. you, you guys have grandkids, church mm-hmm. plants in the city. Like yeah. West Side has planted churches that have planted churches, mm-hmm. which is, that's in some ways our hope for the future of the church mm-hmm. is that there can be these like grandkid type mm-hmm. churches mm-hmm. and a multiplying movement. And whether that's revitalization or planting, it's that leadership development. Can you speak to that part of West Side story and even how that plays out now in the culture? For sure. So so West Side's only fifteen years old. Um I've been, you know, I was I've been the lead pastor here for what three years now. So it was January twenty seventeen. And I've been uh, in January 2019, so a month and a, a year and a few months ago, I stepped into the senior role. Um, so, so I'm very fresh to to the senior role here at Westside. Norm Funk uh, planted Westside with the team and his wife Nicole 15 years ago, and you know, from the very beginning, the heartbeat of this place was church planting. Huh. Like that's just that's just part of what makes this place tick. It's part of what this was, part of all of that. So so. And, and, you know, and that was led through sacrifice. That, that was, that was a part of the vision. It was so, it was so embedded in who we were as a body that, you know, it just, you, the more it hurts, the, the more you lean in and do it. Mm. Like that, that was the ethos. Like that's, that's what it felt like. And, you know, I've been an elder here for, for a number of years and, and it's like, that's, that's what drives the team. Like we want to do the hard things. Like if, if it, if it's hard and if it feels like, you know, we're not sure what this means for us, then let's lean in and do it. And so, you know, the whole idea that you never make decisions out of fear, it's, that's really true for us. We try not to, and we submit those things to the Lord, but it's, we try to go the opposite way too. like the things that make us afraid. We try to like head it, like run headlong into them. Wow. And that the Lord just seems to love that. Like mm. he seems to bless that. And, and so, you know, we don't, we do definitely not have it figured out. I think that some of the churches we've planted or, you know, every church you plant and, and everything you do is, is so different. And, 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 and every culture of every local church is so different and it needs to be. And so I think about like what Brett Landry's doing with Christ city or what James is doing on the shore, um, you know, and, and the others. And it's like, they're, they're doing such fantastic yeah. work. Like the work they're doing in the city is so important. They're doing such a great job. But as far as West Side right now, it's like we, we just sent out a church planter and a, and a, and a crew of people, you know, out to Winnipeg uh, to plant out there. But but um, right now we don't have we, we have we have guys in the queue. Guys are talking about planting. We're always raising up guys and talking about it and trying to figure that out. But but right now we really sense that the Lord is shifting our sending mentality to the mobilization of this body, the oh, activation of every body part. Hmm. And right now we feel like this is, this is right now our focus is not like, let's raise up the few who might church plant, but we have to figure out a way. We want to still do that. Yes. We're going to continue to do that. But, but right now we have to figure out how do we mobilize every single person who's right now on the fringes of the ministry, hmm. you know, hanging around, attending, and how do we get them engaged in the spiritual disciplines? How do we get them operating their spiritual gifts? You know, like John Thompson, for example, yeah. I love him and his book, Convergence, but like, you know, like it just, they do such phenomenal work, but it's like the disciplines and the gifts, walking life, walking out life in the spirit, and then having these people engaged and multi- multiplying out uh, in their own homes and their own ministries. That's really what we're about. And so this, the way you, the way you develop a culture of ascending church is you have to let go completely of the idea that any of this belongs to us. Mm-mm. If any of this belongs to us, or if any of this belongs to me, or if any of this is about me or about building something, you know, f- for, for us, then it's dead. Hmm. Like it's dead, immediately dead. And and you can talk about ascending, sending culture, sending, being ascending church all you want, but but 
it won't fly. I think especially with the new generation coming up, like with with the kids coming up today. Yeah. Like these these next couple of generations, man, they are so tuned. They they see through everything. Yeah, and they're so capable. Oh yeah. You know, if they want to start a business, they can do it on their own. They have the resource online at fifteen, at thirteen. Mm-hmm. So skeptical of authority, mm-hmm. and for better or for worse, that's yeah. reality. So like you know, we don't get to decide if we like that. Yeah. They're looking for the most authentic leaders that are saying, I'm not going to try to control. And so here's get... what's so beautiful about that. Yeah. They're looking for leaders to lead the way Jesus said leaders in his church would lead. Hmm. Like they're looking for leaders who have let go. Yeah. Like they're looking, they're looking for leaders that say like, remember how Jesus said, you know, the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, but not so with you. Yeah. It's like, that's, that's the whole idea. Hmm. And so what if, like, what if we led that way? What if we led in such a way where it was just like this, just none of this is ours. None of this belongs to us. I think that th- that's how you activate the next generation. Just just lean into to the stuff that goes opposite of the flesh all of the time, you know, and and uh, so it's just it's this it's really fun because it feels like what the spirit's doing right now is so perfectly timed for these for these generations that are coming up. You know, you and I've had these chats um, about a new thing that God might be doing mm. around you. And you're alluding to some of this stuff now. And this might be premature to ask a question like this, but what are you learning right now about leading and responding when you feel like God's bringing you to something new and you don't know exactly what that is? Like, mm. I know that sounds like a vague question, no. but I think that a lot of people feel that. Like, I think I'm meant to help lead my people because maybe status quo is not... Mm-hmm. sufficient or it's not even because of the results are there but I just see God doing something mm-hmm. what are you learning or what are you processing as you consider what it means to shift a culture and, and move a people yeah in the midst of this yeah it's two words and it's two words that I mean the Lord's given a lot of words he's given a lot of things <clears throat> over the last season but but two specific words that keep coming back all the time in, in a million different ways just let go mm. like you have to let go and so that means that means you know that means letting go of how people perceive you. That's been a really hard one for me. Like that, you know, and, and this is a, this is a, a this would be like a, a medium or larger size ministry. And I like, and I never saw myself here ever. Mm-hmm. I, and I, I, you know, I never asked for a job or looked for anything or whatever. Like this was like, this was very much the spirits leading. The spirit did some amazing things to, to bring this all about and work through a whole bunch of people. And, but, you know the things that really have shocked me is as as I've stepped as I've stepped into what the Spirit's been leading us in, especially the last two years, has been uh, the amount of pain that it brings, right. like the amount of misunderstanding, uh, the amount of you know personal turmoil, the amount that you're in spaces where it's like I have no idea what to do here, hmm. like none, like zero, and then and then you're just you're misunderstood in so many situations. You don't you're you're beyond you're beyond yourself in so many situations. You're you know and and the only thing you can do there, either you're going to, if you're, so here's the gift that I have. I am the weakest person that I know. And I, I mean that with all of my heart, the very weak, weakest person. I, I like in 2008, they told me I had a week left to live. If I, you know, if I hadn't collapsed, went up in the hospital, I, I, I've, you know, I've, I've, I've spent a year and seven months in bed, you know, and, and, uh, like in the last, you know, when we, since I was married and, and, um, I've just had like a lot of different things. I live with chronic pain and, and illness and all these different things. I've had an internal bleed for the last 17 years. Like I've just, I'm the weakest person I know. And, and, um, and so the gift of that to me is that when I started being put in situations where I had no way out, I didn't look to myself hmm. like that was, and that was not because I was, smart enough to figure out it's because i i am i know that i know that i know that there's nothing in me there's nothing in me that can carry me through those things and so i just started to let go i just started to go okay lord whatever you want to do that's fine and whatever that person you know thinks of me that because when you lead you have to make hard decisions you got to do hard things and you make mistakes and all that and and so for me man it's just been you know to to walk with the spirit is about surrender Hmm. it's about laying down uh everything all of the time over and over and over moment by moment it never stops and you know the waiting on him is perpetual to walk with him if if you wait if you want to walk with him you're always waiting on him that never ends that never stops so surrender never stops waiting on him never stops the only option you have is just to release it all and and that's where the blessings come. That's where the joy comes. That's yeah. where the freedom comes. That's where the peace comes. That's where the ability to finally hear his voice comes. And 
and then and then you're like then you're set free to operate in like your giftings and the things that he's always had on your heart and and so it's just a wild ride. Mm-hmm. It's like a really wild ride, but let go. Those would be that'd be what I'd say. Oh man, I yeah. appreciate that so much. I mean, it's a different vision of leadership. Sometimes the picture I have in my imagination is of someone who has it all figured out mm-hmm. and becoming everything everyone around me needs. You know, the most needed person mm-hmm. in the room. And I just, it's a different picture, man. And I just mm-hmm. am grateful for you taking time to articulate that. Yeah, I know for you, when we spend time chatting, I leave really wanting to abide deeper in mm. Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's a good effect you have, man. <laughs> good. And uh, that's a really cool effect mm. to have. Just, can you let me and some of the listeners into just that own journey of you and your friendship with Jesus oh, yeah. and leading from that place? And was that always the case? Is that something that sounds like leadership itself has been a crucible that's forced you deeper into mm. that? But I just love to hear about that. I know it's conviction for you. And so mm-hmm. just wanted oh yeah it's not even conviction it's it's um so when i was like small like really young you know the lord did this thing i i I was i had godly parents uh by no means a perfect home but godly parents and and uh, the lord just got hold of me he just got hold of me when i was young i heard his voice the first time when i was eight and Mm. it was just a simple call i didn't know it was an audible thing it was just a simple call like get baptized you Mm. know when i was eight i was it's why i was the youngest person in the church to ever be baptized in that little german church here in vancouver and and, um, you know, I would read, I'd read the Bible when I was a kid. And there was, there was one line that always stood out to me more than any other line in the scripture. And it just, it, I've just been meditating on this recently because it just became like, it became the only thing I cared about as a kid. And it's the only thing I care about now. And, and it was just this line, you know, the Lord spoke to Moses like a man speaks to his friend. Hmm. Like, and I just... You know, and, and you've got this story in the Old Testament with Moses where he's like so frustrated with the nation of Israel and he just wants them all. He wants to, he wants the Lord to kill him because he's so sick and tired of leading this people. <laughs> he's so frustrated. And the Lord says, OK, here's what I'll do. I'll put I'll, I'll you know, grab 72 other guys. I'll put some spirit on them, too. I'll give I'll give some of them, you know, and you know, the story. And then and then a couple of those guys are go around prophesying in the camp. And Joshua runs into these guys prophesying. He gets jealous on behalf of Moses. He goes back to Moses and says, hey, stop these guys from prophesying. And Moses says, would that all God God's people had God's spirit, you know, like, and it's like, so I started to think about that when I was a kid and and realize if the Lord spoke to Moses, like a man speaks to his friend and Moses is just a a guy and actually the same spirit that Moses had, we all now have in Jesus. Mm. I want that. Yeah. And it just became, and and then, you know, and then weakness, like, you know, I, sickness has kind of followed me my entire life. So I was very small. I used to have seizures that almost killed me a number of times. And then my pastor came over, um, uh, to the house. He anointed me with oil and I never had another seizure. The doctors couldn't, couldn't figure it out. It was just a healing. And so sickness has always followed me. And, and then, and I was really like a, an angry kid, a troubled, like I got in a lot of trouble and you know, I, I, it's just the whole thing. And, and, um, but n- what never left me was that the only, like the, I always have known the only thing I've wanted was him. Hmm. I always have known that the only thing I want is him. I want his presence. I want to know him. I want to walk with him. That's all I've ever wanted. And and I've rebelled against him. Like I've gotten so angry at him. You know, I've, I've, I've run from him as like as hard as you can possibly run from him. And, and I've, you know, and I've, I've, you know, I've said some things to him that you should never be able to say to, you know, to the living God. But, but, uh, he's just been so gracious and so faithful and so loving to always bring me back. Mm. And now like all I want, Jason, like the only thing I want is the presence of God moving in power among his people. That's all I want. Mm. And, and the way you quench the presence of God is to make it about anything other than him. Right. And so if, if we, if, if we are about our own things, if we're about our own churches, if we're about, you know, what we're doing then we quench the presence of God. And you might be such a gifted person. You might be such a gifted leader and you might be, you might have, you know, so, so many things. And, and so you can run a long way on your strength. I have none of those things. I I don't, I don't, I don't have like those incredible gifts. Like a lot of guys that I'm around do. I don't, I don't have. So the Lord has just been so gracious to not give me so many things. I don't have anything to lean on. And so, but my favorite thing is him. And that's the thing actually that we all need. So it's like, it's this, it's, it's perfect. Like mm. it's this perfect picture. And so I, yeah, man, it's, that's, that's been the whole thing for me. It's, I, I want him to speak to me like a man speaks to his friend. I just want to know him. Mm. And, and that's, that's available. Like 
we actually can have that all yeah. of us i feel like i want people to know your whole ministry <laughs> because i know there's a version of a person that says like about hearing god's voice like oh i know i'm going to put that guy in this sort of untethered camp right disconnected from you know i'm thinking like the roman prophet right yeah yeah and i'm like you're a guy who's like plugged in faithful mm-hmm. in local church faithful bible teacher mm-hmm. you know in in a, amongst other people like you're just such a faithful bible teacher and and i just it it seems to me so so special to hear and know you as someone who's so passionate with the voice of god the gifts of god the power of the spirit of god and the word of god and being faithful to his word and like you know going all in to obey his word i feel like there's you you mentioned john uh john's book conversions mm-hmm. john thompson yeah and that's why i feel like your ministry really represents a real mm-hmm. convergent that makes me want to like know the word deeper mm-hmm. know the presence of the spirit deeper mm-hmm. and i think i think that's what even as you're talking about the culture gen z millennials mm-hmm. they're looking for a grounding in yeah. in a postmodern a post postmodern world. What will ground me? The Word of God, something mm-hmm. that has um, staying power, <laughs> mm-hmm. but then also a real experience of mm-hmm. that power that brings it to life. And yeah, I just see. I don't know. Have you thought about that? The oh, intersection. Dude. Oh, that's everything, man. That's all I think about. It's like because it's so easy to get into that place where we just go through the rhythms in ministry. We just, you know, we we just do our. And I mean, this season we're in right now is that's yeah. why I think it's such a gift, right? But um, but we go, we get into this season where we go through these times. We just get into these ruts. We get into these rhythms, and they can be the best rhythms in the world. They can be, they can be, you know, the best liturgy you could possibly come up with for a Sunday gathering, for example. And you're walking through the best things. You got, you have the best theology, and you've got the best. It's just, it's so, it's so perfect on that level. And yet, it can be absent hmm. of like an experience of the manifest presence of God with His people. Hmm. And so I've, I've been thinking a lot about, you know, what is that? What happens there? And I, I actually think it's just as easy for us to lean on the flesh in our Bible teaching. And I think it's easy for us to use, you know, exegetical Bible teaching as, as, a, as an opportunity for the flesh as anything else. And so we can actually use that as a way to hide from mm-hmm. engaging as leaders. And so, you know, we could just, we, so it doesn't matter what we're doing doing i mean the word of god i believe has to be central because you you said has staying power i like that it's it is the only thing in the universe with staying power right because it's his word but but we have to actually be tied into the spirit to what he's saying and and then then the word comes alive like mm. then the word comes alive when we, when we're, when you're saying what he's saying so whenever you preach the bible that's the best thing to do in the world because you're always saying what he's saying but there's also the reality that God is saying specific things to specific groups of people at specific moments in time mm. because the spirit's alive and actually acti- active and to get to tie into that you actually need to you actually need uh, to to abide in the spirit you actually need to know him you actually need to walk with him and um and that's so i that's Man, I, I do not have this figured out, right? Like, I don't have this figured out, I, but it's all I want to figure out. Yeah. Like, it's the goal of my life to figure that out, like, to figure out what that looks like and how that works, because that's so fun. Oh, like, man. when you when you step up and you preach, and you know, and, and you feel like for a moment, I'm saying what he's saying, that is the best. And you never, we never speak with the authority of, like, you know, the Old Testament prophets or anything like that. But it's like... There be, and the reason it's the best is because that's where the fruit is. That's where all of a sudden things start to happen and lives start to change and people come to Jesus and, and Christians are transformed. And, and it's just, it's the most fun. Like, it's the most fun. Um, you're right if we go in a different direction. Let's go. Talk about the transition here. Sure. Um, you talked about Norm Funk. And yeah. And he's got, you know, as a church planner here in the city, he's got a really great legacy. Mm-hmm. Someone that a lot of people look up to and you're part of his team. Mm-hmm. And then there's a shift that happened where it was the right mm. time. So I just want to hear about that transition. Oh, and, yeah. and also, I think there's a lot of advice to hand over because I think a lot of churches in Canada are on the front edge or the middle of transition. So yeah. tell me a bit about your experience. Sure. Tell us the story and then what you guys learned through the process. Yeah, full disclosure, Norm and I are still learning, right? Like <laughs> even now, we're still going through it together in, in a beautiful way, I think. Uh, so eight years ago, so 2012, you know, spring 2012, uh, I was working at another church in Vancouver. I was getting ready to church plant, and uh, but I was feeling really uneasy about the way we were planting churches in the city, and I just, I just, I was feeling uneasy, and I wasn't sure what to do. So I was, I was on my way back to 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 go to school, um, and and I guess Norm had heard about that somehow. I didn't have a relationship with him at all, but I get this phone call one day, 
and and I pick it up. My phone says Norm Funk, so I had his number for some reason. And uh, and he says, "Hey, uh, answer the phone." He says, "Hey, uh, you're not you're not leaving Vancouver without meeting with me first. And that's, that was just like his opening line. So I said, okay, I, okay, I'd love to meet with you. And so we sat down and my wife and I prayed going to that meeting. Like, Lord, there's five things we need. You know, the five things don't matter now. But like, we had these five things. And then I sit down with Norm and he just, and I say like, you know, and he just starts talking. He asked me like how I'm doing and what's going on. But then he just starts talking. And he, he one by one hits all those five things. We'd said to the Lord, like, Lord, if you want us to stay in the city, just, just confirm that with these five things. And Norm goes one, two, three, four, five. So I just looked across the table at him. I said, "Hey, I'm in. Yeah, let's do, let's do this." And so I came to Westside to plant a church. Two years after that, um, we we just moved into the center here, this building, and and uh, and Norm asked me to stay on uh, as his like assistant, you know, assistant lead pastor, whatever we were calling it at the time. And and uh, so my wife and I prayed and fasted over that, and and that was a really hard decision because that was that was. Do we let go of church planting, which which had been we thought that was our call, we mm. thought that was the call for us, and and we felt that the Lord led us away from that. So so we we stayed on, and and man, I had and I've had some just amazingly beautiful years with Norm. Norm is he's a mentor in my life, he's a friend in my life, and and he and I getting to work together and lead this ministry together over the last, you know, especially the last six years has been an incredible gift. Like he, he's he's a raiser up of of other of others and and he just does whatever it takes to raise others up i just love him to death and so actually with the story i just told you about about uh, when i was in the okanagan and had that word so i come back preach those three sermons on matthew 25 and and um all of a sudden i realize the spirit's doing a new work in my life Hmm. and i don't know what this means i don't know what this means and so so Norm and I, I start talking, I start telling him that, and he's like, you know, we don't have any answers. We're looking at each other like, we don't know. This is, feels like uncharted territory. We've, I've never come to him and said something like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. This was new for us. And so I just go into a season of, of prayer and, and, and fasting and, and just seeking the Lord on it. That was when we actually went out to London hmm. uh, with, with the Alpha crew for That's Experience Alpha. That's where we kind of got to really connect. Yeah. And there were there were a bunch of prophecies out there, like amazing things, like things where the Lord would give a prophecy from one person over here who doesn't know me from Adam, and then verbatim the exact same word over here from another person. And so we came home from that. Then my wife and I went off to Cyprus. We have some friends with a home out there, and so we went off to Cyprus and 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 um, like the island, not the mountain. And and uh, we had an amazing time. The Lord just continued to spoke to speak, and uh, we came back home. And it wasn't until the day we came home. I'm going back to work the very next day. We have no idea what to do. We don't know what God's call is on us and what he, if, if we're supposed to stay at Westside or if I'm supposed to plan or what, what's happening. And then we, I realized in that moment before I came back to work that, you know, that none of this, none of this has anything to do with me. None of this is mine. And, and my responsibility now is to, is to let go. And Westside has such a fantastic leader in Norm Funk who at the time is 52 years old. So he's a young, he's a young leader. He's got tons of energy, loves the church, amazing Bible teacher, all of that. So for me, it was really clear. It's time for me to go. Yeah. So I went, I went, I called. And that was your way of processing. God's got something in front of me. Yeah. And that was even like a, it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a frustrated leaving. No. Because sometimes that's. No, no, nothing, no frustration at all. I was just really confused and heartbroken because we love this body. Mm. We love Vancouver. And I wasn't going to, I'm like, but there's no way I'll do anything here. Right. So we're going somewhere else. But Lord, you're going to figure it out. Like we knew enough about his call to know he would figure that stuff out. But so I called me with Norm and we met the next day at a pub here just down the road. And, and uh, I share with him all these things, all the Lord's been doing in my heart all that he's been showing, showing to us and things he's been saying about West side to me that I'm just, you know, and I say to Norm and it's, man, it's time for us to go. Like, like, I feel like I'm being kicked out of the nest now. Like, I feel like it's time for, for us to hit the next step. And, and Norm, Norm breaks down weeping in that meeting, uh, right there at the table. And he says, he says, no, uh, it's not time for you to go. Uh, I need to step down. You need to take over. Wow. And that for me, like, that tells you just about everything you need to know about Norm Funk. He is one of the most selfless men I've ever met in my entire life. And and the thing about him is that when he senses the spirit lead him in something, he steps out no matter what, no matter what. And you can just imagine, I mean, how painful 
that moment was and that next several months as we tried to find our way through this and figure out what do we do here. Norm and I are we're such good friends. We're, we, we love each other so much. And now we're trying to figure out how do we do this? And so we we bring something to the elders. Man, it was just such a painful season. And we bring something to the elders and and uh, we go, hey, guys, this is this is what we're proposing. Uh, and Norm Norm brings us and proposes it. You know that he steps down as senior pastor. I step into that role. He stays on as an elder and continues preaching. And um, and uh, and but I would be leading the ministry now, and he would be you know more freed up to do other the other things around the country that he's you know being invited into. And and Norm and I, you know, we knew this wasn't best practice for how you go through a leadership transition. And the guys listening, I'm sure, uh, you know, men and women listening who lead churches, they, they know the same thing. Yeah. We went we went to our executive coach and walked through it. And he said, you know, I've only seen this work a couple of times, but it requires humility. I think you both I think you both together can do this. And so we launched into it, uh, made that transition uh, in January of uh, whatever. whatever and and, and, uh, and that that went for uh, three months. For three months, we 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 try to figure this out, and then we realize this won't work. Mm. Like this actually won't work. Um, you know, Norm's I don't think freed up now to operate in his giftings. I am I am considering Norm in everything I'm doing and struggling and failing, and the mistakes I'm making are like ten times as painful as they would otherwise be. You know, because I'm making them with the previous leaders still in the room, and so just really really painful. And so then Norm came to me, you know, that March and he said, hey, um, love you, love what's happening. You know, I've never seen this and this and this so healthy, but it's time for me to go. And I said, no, Norm, you can't go. You know, I'm just like terrified as a young leader, right? I just don't want him to go. And uh, he says, no, no, it's time. And so the next three months after that were me trying to figure out how we say goodbye to the founder and planter of this church. You know, and that was, man, that was hard. I that think. was really a tough thing. And so then in the last, so last June, last June, we did that. And we said goodbye, we said goodbye to Norm and, and uh, here at Westside. And, and I mean, the, 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 the lessons we're learning, Norm and I were together last week talking about this, like the lessons we're learning are, are, are still unfolding now. Like mm-hmm. we're still figuring it out. Like, oh, this is what that meant. This is what that means about leadership. And this is where I made a mistake. And, and, um, and and but I but it's it's the the thing about it is that the spirit did it like the spirit did it like Norm wasn't looking to leave Westside I wasn't looking to step into this position, but the but the spirit did this and and he did it through Norm Norm led the whole way my my posture in that the whole way through was just I won't say anything I won't ask for anything and whatever you do Lord you do and so. And so um, it, it's been in some ways the easiest thing in the world because I never did anything. But in, in, on the other hand, it's, it's been the hardest, by far the hardest two years of ministry I've, I've ever experienced. It's yeah. been incredibly painful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Looking back and now from this new role as senior leader here, what advice do you have for guys that are in that number two, number oh, yeah. three spot? Like they're like, let me just be really honest. Like yeah. this is re- like, it doesn't, you know, anyone who's a leader yeah. sees what things could be. Um, and anyone who's a young leader, like myself, probably doesn't have a, f- a full grip of what it actually takes to get there. Mm-hmm. So you're number two, you're number three, whatever it is. Maybe you're the youth pastor, you're not mm-hmm. even in the leadership mm-hmm. team. Mm-hmm. But you've got a vision for where the church could be. But you're not the one in charge. How do you honor God in that spot? Yeah. You know, I, I just I just feel like this is the reality of where a lot of young leaders are full of vision. Mm-hmm. Um you know, godly people leading the organization, but there's still that sense of discontentedness both directions. What does it look like to be a great number two or a great yeah. number three? That's a really important question, man. And that's that's a question that I was asking for so many years. Uh, you know, and it really comes down to the fact that the spirit of Jesus opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. That's really what it comes down to. So, so you actually never need to jockey for position in his church ever hmm. ever ever so six months after i, I told you I, I prayed and fasted when norm asked me to stay on and, and all of that and i let go of church planting six months after that i went through a massive personal crisis i remember i was out for a run in east van where we were living at the time and i was just angry i was angry at god i was angry at myself i was just angry i was and it everything was good i just felt like i didn't know who i was 
because I, I had set out to plant a church, which meant I, I was preparing to lead, you know, and preparing to step out and, and be the vision caster and, and do these things. And, and now I'm not. And, mm. and that just became really clear. And it was, it, that's the role. Like if you're not, if you're not in that, if you're not, if you're not in that position, the Lord hasn't raised you up to that position to lead and you, you're that, you're in that second chair. That, that's not your role. Your role is not to step out and, and, and do things you're not called to do. And so I went through a massive personal crisis and, and the Lord got hold of me on that run. And, and, um, and he, he said something to me that, that carried me through the next six years and, and, um, and would have carried me through another six had he not did, had he not done what he did two years ago. And, and, um, he said to me that my job was to be for Norm what I would want somebody to be for me if I was in Norm's position. Hmm. That was it. And when he said that to me on that run, because I remember I stopped. I stopped running and I just listened as, as, I, as I felt that impressed on me. And that was, it was like I was given a commission by him. It was like I was, I was giving, I was given my orders. I was given like, here's what you're going to do. Here's what I'm calling you to. And that's all that I needed. Like, mm. like that's all. The, and so I, and I began to have, be able to have joy now. Like now there was a whole shift for me because I realized my, I have a job that only I can do. There's nobody else that can right. do this job. Huh. There's nobody else that can be for him. What, what I can be for him. And so I, I started to just, I leaned into that with everything I had. And I'm telling you, man, I had six, like those years were the most, were so fun. Were so fun. Are they easy? No, ministry is always hard, but, but they're so, so fun. And, and the relationship that Norm and I have now and will have into the future is a product of like of the two of us. And I mean, it's amazing when you're working for such a, a humble leader as well, but but that for me was you you need if you're in that second chair i mean i read books like leading from the second chair and things like that which were great and talk about the paradox of that leadership role and th- those are those are that's helpful and good but but really for me it came down to i had to know i was called by jesus to that role and then if i knew that i could let go i could i could stop all the you know everything else all all the anxiety and all the jockeying for position all this all the what does this mean for my future it's all gone you let it all go when you know that he's called you to it and so and for any guy in that position who's struggling i would say you got to go to the lord for that you got to ask him for it because if you start to if you start to step out of your lane if you if you start to step out of your lane, you you will destroy something. You will break something. You, mm. you really will. And and there's a really good chance that in that moment, it's it's pride and it's arrogance is driving you. You see something, but if the Lord wanted you to implement that thing, He would have put you in the position to implement it, and He hasn't. So you you have to let that go, mm. and you have to do your best to serve the people and remember that none of this belongs to you. And and if you try to step out when it's not time. Um, you, you will you will break something and you'll you'll probably end up where you don't want to be. But if you let go and surrender to him and let him give you that joy and just wait on him, like I told you when we walk in the spirit, that waiting is perpetual. If you'll do that, then he will exalt you at the proper time, whatever that looks like. That I, that looks like a million different things, right? But but he'll do it. Hmm. Yeah, he'll do it. Uh, it's just so helpful, man. And uh I just think we, as a as a church, need to be talking about transition, mm-hmm. how to transition well. And I think that um, for younger leaders to really have a clear vision in their mind, what it looks like to to support the leader well. Yeah. I just think that there's just not a clear vision for it always. Yeah. And there's obviously we can also cite maybe there's abusive leadership and all that. Yeah. And but that's not the primary narrative. No. That's the primary narrative is there's good leaders that God's put in place. And the transition's coming just because of retirement age and all these yeah. different things. And I think that as much as I love church planning, I'm a church planner. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think <laughs> the secret sauce for the next 10, 20 years of the church mm-hmm. are going to be the humble guys that are able to, guys and girls that are going to mm-hmm. stay in the church yeah. and figure out what it looks like to do transition well. Oh, yeah. To lead from that second chair well until the timing's right. And uh, man, I'm just praying that God puts that kind of 
gifting and humility on men and women across the country. And let me speak to that really quickly about the, you know, abusive leadership or whatever, like things like that you just mentioned. Um, do you say abusive? Is that word you used? I, I don't know. If, I think I did. Something it's, like that. Maybe, so that's, I, maybe that's a heavy word, but I think oh, I don't, you, no, it I think is you a know heavy what word. I mean. It's a heavy word, but it's an important word because that's because leadership opens those opportunities up and every leader is broken. Hmm. Every single leader is broken. And, and, and so it's very, very easy in a leadership position to abuse a leadership position. Um, and that can happen without us even realizing we're doing it. And, and, but here's the thing about when we identify there's a problem with the leader over me, um, or a leader under me or wherever, wherever that, wherever that fits, um, the, the, the spirit with which we are to engage in those in those situations is a spirit of gentleness for the sake of restoration. Hmm. And so if we're if we're humble leaders ourselves, we engage to restore. And that means you engage more behind the scenes than anywhere else. You engage with that person directly mostly behind the scenes because you want them restored and then you engage with with that situation on your knees in prayer for that leader any other kind of engagement with a leader who's failing uh, if you have not if you've not gone to that leader and had those conversations and worked through it together uh, and and prayed for them for a season prayed for them uh, then you have no business like you have no business going to other people and and having those conversations more widely when we do that, uh, we dis- we allow those mistakes in leadership to actually to actually grow and expand, and then it destroys. And so, I think for a lot of young guys, we get so anxious, yeah. we get so like just worked up, and we get we're so full of ideas and energy and all this stuff that when we see mistakes being made, it becomes so so easy to just want to become the whether it's the theological police or the leadership police or whatever kind of police you want to be and you have to understand like that that is that's not the way hmm. that's not the way for you to step into the mantle of leadership that the lord may be laying on you the way there is again humility as you said it's gentleness it's 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 this submission to the lord it's like you do not want the thing you have to clutch and grab for you want the thing that'll come to you if you let go of everything and the lord will just give it that's what you want because that's where the power will be. So anytime you find yourself clutching or grabbing, especially when that means, you know, you're stepping on top of somebody else, whether over you or under you, um, that's where you need to stop and take a deep breath and realize I need to, I actually need to go back to the source. Mm. I've got to go back to abiding in Jesus. And so I see this all the time, you know, because we see a lot of leaders, we're connected to a lot of different ministries, a lot of different churches and, you know, and so it's just it's just one of these things that that's when you said that it just like triggered something in me because that's a lesson we've learned. I've learned, you know, and we've learned the hard way. Yeah. And, and so it, we've, we've been through that for sure. Oh, I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. Last thought before we kind of wrap up this conversation. Yeah. I mean, Matt, I could talk to you all day. Mm-hmm. Love chatting with you mm-hmm. and um, really grateful for you just open up being so vulnerable and, and about your norm story. Mm. It'd be really fun one time to maybe have have uh, the two of you chat about love it that, yeah. find the right form for it yeah. i just think uh it'd be super insightful and mm-hmm. probably really helpful for a lot of people but mm-hmm. last question i want to chat about is just uh, looking forward whether it's for here your church or for vancouver or for canada what are you seeing on the horizon that you think church leaders need to be cognizant of prayerful about like w- you know i know even just to think about the time we're recording in the mm-hmm. middle of this covid 19 mm-hmm. moment where it feels like everything's unsettled Mm-hmm. Um, being shaken up. What do you see on the horizon that you think church yeah. leaders should be thinking about? Okay, so that's that's a great question, especially now as you mentioned COVID, and we are right in the middle of that. Like yeah. we're you know we're we're second week into the ban on gatherings and all that stuff, right? So Dude, I'm carrying Lysol with me. You are. Everywhere. I know. I saw you wiping out all the doorknobs and all that stuff. It's you wouldn't even give me a hug. Man. I know. What's I wanted on? to. I just felt uh, like it's I'll get the right one. thing to do right I'll now. I'll get one out of you at the end. Uh, but but uh, yeah, I think this is. I think this. Okay, I think this moment is incredibly important. So last week, as as this band comes down, I'm working on a sermon, and uh, we're in a series of First Corinthians right now, and I'm working on First Corinthians three sixteen to twenty three, which is about the fact that the local church, uh, meaning like the gathered people of God, uh, is is a temple, 
is a temple, not us as individuals, but us as a local church. And then Paul writes that anyone who destroys, that can be translated, defiles the temple, God will destroy. Meaning there is something, so when the church gathers, like the idea of the gathering of this local church is actually the presence of God. Like what this gathering of God's people is about is his presence, his manifest presence among his people. That's what this is. That's what we're after. That's what it means to gather. So I'm getting in that week in the lead up, I'm like getting really excited. Like, okay, the gathering of the church, here's what we're going to call the church to. And then the gathering, gathering of the church around the globe gets shut down. Yeah. Not everywhere, but across the world, right? Like all over the globe, shut down. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. Hmm. It hit me like a ton of bricks. And so last week I preached a message. I actually rewrote. I, I wrote two sermons last week, and I wrote. I wrote the second one after after realizing some of these things on Saturday. And I went to the church and said, you know, the local church uh, is a temple of God. the The temple of God can be defiled, and we have defiled the temple. Hmm. When you defile a temple, like temples are about the presence of God. When you defile a temple, the thing that happens and the way that the temple is destroyed is you lose the presence of the deity you're worshiping. Like, so we as Christians know we don't lose the spirit. You know, he's with us and God's omnipresent. But but his manifest presence working in power among his people to transform us, to make us alive, to give us that life that Jesus talked about, to, you know, that we could, we could see confession and repentance, all these different things happening in the body and that, you know, the church is alive and, and making an impact in our city, all those things. We lose that manifest presence of God. And I, and I just realized, you know, in this moment in time, I, I cannot help but feel divine correction for the church. Hmm. That the like if so, I believe in a sovereign God. That Jesus is sovereign over all that is, and I don't. He is not the author of evil, but he is the author of redemption. And so he takes evil things and he turns and he uses them for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And so he's in this moment. And what I realized was on Sunday, look, we're live streaming this thing out on YouTube. And, and if and if he wanted his church gathered together in this room right now, we would be and we're not. And it terrified me. Hmm. It terrified me. And I started to realize, you know, we've made the church about a whole bunch of things other than the presence of God among his people. This is supposed to be a temple. And, and we've made this about us. Hmm. It's supposed to be a temple. And we've made it about strategy. We've made it about, you know, a million different things. We've made it about celebrity. We've, we've made it about all, all kinds of things. We, we've worshipped Jesus with our mouths, though our hearts have been far from him. We've walked into his temple carrying our other idols with us. And when you bring, when you bring the worship of other gods into any temple, any temple, you desecrate the temple. And so right now, I think there's this word of correction to the church. And, I, and I, I think this season where we're not gathering as a people together is, a, is about confession and repentance. Mm. I, think, I think Jesus wants to fill his temples again. I think he wants to fill the local churches in this country and around the world with his manifest presence. I think Jesus is coming soon. I think, and I think that this is the time. For him to for him to fill his body with his presence, and I think that right now, Jason, as we're in this season, we're we're our hearts are being exposed. Like for the people who just right now, they're just like this is about like extended vacation and more Netflix and whatever. Like that really says something, mm-hmm. doesn't it? Like you're losing the gathering of the church, maybe even the gathering of your community groups, and, stuff, and it doesn't even affect you. That says something for the people who are anxious and afraid and are giving more, you know, more stock, more time, more energy to the presence of a virus than they've ever given to the presence of a holy God. That says something, doesn't it? Like the fact that like we're, we're, we're so afraid of this one thing and we've rarely thought about this as we gather with the people of God, that says something. Mm. And so in this moment, hearts are being exposed and, and we're being called back to prayer and worship. We're being called to confession and repentance. And so I, I really feel that in this moment in time, what the Lord is doing in his church is going to be something that this is going to change everything. I don't think we're not the same after this. Yeah. We're not the same. Like, so right now is for us as a ministry, everything's being pulled back. 
everything's being pulled back. And we're going, what does it mean to be the church right now? How do we do this? And we're not doing most of the things we normally do right now. We're not doing. And we're going to come out of this and we're not going to be the same. We're yeah. going to be a changed church. And, and I think that's true for the church in the country. I think that if anyone's just, you know, biding their time till we get back to business as usual, that's a mistake. Mm. That's actually a mistake right now because because the Lord is speaking. And so I, I, I just think we need to be praying for eyes to see and ears to hear because right now he's speaking to his church and he's calling us to something radically different, I think, than than where we've been in the last, you know, last while. And I know that that's a generalization and I don't mean that everywhere, but I think this is a really important moment. Yeah, I feel the same way. You know, and I just, I'm thinking about when this is going to be released, this mm-hmm. podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, what time people are, are you know, is it April or mm-hmm. May? I don't know the release date for this mm-hmm. particular episode, but we're recording this in the middle of March. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's it's shifting tides. And, you know, the part of me that thinks as an evangelist, yeah, I'm like the most terrified evangelist in the world, but I think it's how God's <laughs> wired me. Because I think mm-hmm. about how this is fertile ground mm-hmm. for, you know, the power structures, mm-hmm. the confidence in self, all that's being sort of, uprooted yeah. and also the exposing our desperate need for community like yeah. we live in a lonely world that maybe doesn't realize how lonely it is oh, yeah and so i'm like oh man this is an incredible opportunity for things like alpha and for yeah. churches to open their doors wide yeah and then as i hear you talking i think about this moment it is for the hearts of believers mm-hmm. um and i just probably should stop commenting and just let that really soak in I think for everyone listening, I hope that we can get this out soon enough that this can be a timely reflection. Mm. And Matt, I'm just so grateful for you, for your courageous leadership, for your humble leadership, and that God put you here in Vancouver mm. with a, a desire to see the whole church impacted. Mm. So thanks for making time to chat I feel today, the same man. way about you, man. So excited about the way planting in September <laughs> and all that. So man, seriously, I, I, I love having you in the city. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being so faithful oh, and dude. such a, and such a builder up of the church and of others. You're just, you're a gift, man. Thank you. Thanks, man. Yeah. What an exciting time we're part of. Mm-hmm. Matt, I'm wondering if you could just take a moment, just pray for, you know, the three of us in the room, you, me, and the producer. Um, but then also for everyone listening, church leaders in Canada and around the world, just in the midst of this, we just love it if you'd pray. Oh, I'd love to. Lord, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for your presence with your people. And and, and thank you, Lord, that, that everything is yours and that, that you're in control and that you have it all. And especially right now in this moment where there is a lot of anxiety and loneliness and, 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 and fear uh, and our hearts are being really laid bare in, in, some, in some important and unique ways. Lord, we, we just ask... Uh, that, that you would make yourself tangibly present with your people in this time and that this wouldn't just be about your people Lord when we talk about when we ask you for this and making your church alive we're asking for the world to be to be impacted to mm-hmm. be affected God we know that the only way to reach this this world is 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 through being your church and being made alive in your presence and so so Jesus would you bind us together as a church across this country would you bind us together would you give us family Lord would you forgive us for 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 divisions and things we've held up that have divided us and where we've made things about about our ourselves and just it's so fresh in my mind with first corinthians like lord just where we where we follow different leaders and divided and 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 god would you bring us together would you bring us together and do something so beautiful in your church would you just make this a a holy moment i pray for everybody listening lord to to this podcast that that you would you'd speak to them that you would touch their hearts that you'd touch their minds lord that if there's a moment of calling now for them in this moment this disruption that we're in the middle of and and if this is a moment of calling for them, Lord, then just just speak, just touch them, just open their eyes. Would it be like scales falling off and and hearts, Lord, softening? And 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 um, thank you that we can trust you with all these things. Thank you that you're leading. I thank you for my 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 family I have here in this room, Lord, and and for all those listening. And would you just have your way with what's yours in Jesus' name? We love you. Amen. Amen. Listening to that conversation again with Matt just reminded me how compelling it was to sit down with him, such a humble leader, such a passionate leader. And I just look forward to being able to hear more from him again on the podcast, hopefully really soon. And if you want to hear more from Matt, we've got links to the Westside podcast where you can hear tons of his sermons on our blog. And as usual, we have the highlights of this interview available on our blog and Instagram channel. And so you can just type Canadian Church Leaders Network into Google or whatever you're using, Bing or Yahoo or Ask Jeeves, whatever you want to search in, just search it 
and you'll find our blog, which has a ton of resources about this episode and other episodes and guests that we've got. And I'm thrilled to tell you about next week's episode. We've got Shayla Visser and Nikki Gumbel from Holy Trinity Brompton on the podcast together. They sat down and had a conversation about how Holy Trinity Brompton and how Alpha globally is adapting during COVID. It was a really compelling conversation. So I asked the team at Alpha if we could share it with you and that's coming out next week. And we can make this podcast happen every week because of some amazing people that love pastors and love leaders and love the local church. And one of those partners is Briarcrest College and Seminary. Briarcrest has been developing leaders for the church for the last 85 years. Every year, hundreds of young adults choose Briarcrest. And what they find is this intentional discipleship community that helps them grow in their faith and find deep grounding for a life of impact. Despite this pandemic, online or on campus, this fall, they're going forward. And so you can find out more information about what they offer and all their programs online. And this is what I do know about Briarcrest. They love the local church. And we're so, so grateful for the work they do and for helping us make the work of the Canadian Church Leaders Network happen. Thank you so much for being with us today. We'll see you really soon.